Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, Subiaco Lions Vice-Captain Amy Lavelle, the coach of the GB Swans, Ian Mitchell. We preview the QWAFL Grand Final with Aaron Russell and all the latest out of AFL Sydney with Lauren Hodgson and the VFL Women's Competition with Matthew Cox. That's all coming up over the next 70 minutes. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly reminder, this podcast airs as a radio show Wednesday evenings, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. That's Digital Radio Melbourne via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. We'll be bringing you two games of VFL Women's Football this weekend on RSN Carnival, both starting at 2pm on Saturday. It's Essendon versus Carlton from Windy Hill. And then on Sunday, it's Melbourne Uni versus Williamstown from University Oval. Do join us then. The West Australian Women's Football League League Division Grand Finals to be played this Sunday at 2.30pm at Claremont Oval. It's East Fremantle versus the Subiaco Lions. And it's our privilege to have on the line the Vice-Captain of the Subiaco Lions, Amy Lavelle. Amy, how are you? Oh, well, thank you, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. And first of all, congratulations for making it through to the 2018 WAWFL Grand Final. Yeah, it's very exciting, uh, especially considering where we finished the season. And, um, yeah, we've strung a few really good wins together and very excited for this weekend. So before we talk about the season as a whole, uh, for those that may not recall, you used to be the Coastal Titans, at least on the women's side, until this year you merged into the Subiaco Lions. For you as a player, you used to play with the Titans. How's that been, stepping across to being the Lions and absorbing into their culture? Uh, yeah, not too much different. Obviously, we've been part of the Subiaco Football Club for a few years now. Um, just haven't been using their brand or their name. And um, now that we're merged with them, it seems to be more of a family. And um, now that they're doing so well in the men's and now we are, um, it's a fantastic to see. For a club at Coastal Titans that's normally been used to uh, playing grand final football, I think you played something like 11 grand finals in a row since your uh, inception. How did it feel this year to get off to a bit of a sluggish start and I guess uh, almost be sweating to try and get into the top four? Yeah, it was definitely a, a different feeling to be in, um, especially for myself playing at Coastal Titans for a very long time. Um, but we do have a lot of, of new girls, a lot of inexperience, and a lot of our AFL women's girls uh, haven't been playing this year because of injuries or rehab. Um, so we've had to sort of change our tact a little bit, but um, it seems to be working at the right point of the end of the um, season. You talked about the uh, AFLW girls. We know here in Victoria that at least the Victorian AFLW clubs like to tell their VFLW affiliates or if their players are playing elsewhere to only play a certain amount of games during the year or rest during certain periods, obviously to keep them fresh for AFLW. Has that been in play as well in WA where the Frio girls uh, have been told to try and take time off here and there to obviously keep themselves fresh for the next AFLW season? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's obviously dependent on the individual. Um, most of us had to have sort of the first three weeks of the season off to um, just rest and recover from the AFL women's season, um, and we were all instructed to do that. But as the season's gone along, I think it's just making sure that we don't have any niggles or anything coming into into the pre-season for Frio this year so that the girls can be um, ready to go and um, not obviously having rehab at the start of the pre-season. As you mentioned, because of those girls being rested, others have had to step up. In your eyes, uh, who's impressed you that's come up, particularly through the under-18 ranks, into senior women's football and, and stood up when given the opportunity this year? 
Yeah, um, obviously uh, Mackenzie Dowrick for Subiaco, she's been fantastic. She played league last year, but um, just continues to just improve and, and work hard on all the individual things that she needs to work on. And um, we've also got some girls who come from other sports, um, people like Courtney Stubbs, and um, she's come from basketball, and Jamie Harkin, who won the uh, Rookie of the Year last night, she's come from uh, netball. So it's good to have sort of a different, vast experience um, and obviously them learning and, and learning the game. They've just got better as the season's progressed. Talk about Mackenzie Dowrick, and of course she's been touted as a possible draftee for the uh, Fremantle Football Club to play AFLW. Considering, of course, you came from Fremantle yourself, retiring at the end of the 2018 season, has she been picking your brains at all, obviously, to try and figure out what type of program she's going to be on and what to expect when she does get picked up? Yeah, she's she's a very shy, unassuming person. Fantastic girl, um, but always willing to learn and and wants feedback and and wants to be the best player she can be. And I think she's definitely going to be a talent that everyone's going to be looking at next season because I think she's going to be a fantastic player. Also, good news for the club on uh, last night at the WAWFL uh, League Best and Fairest. Your captain in Haley Miller taking out the uh, League Best and Fairest award. Yeah, just it's so fantastic for Haley. She's such a great leader at our club and uh, just a fantastic person and, and a great player and has just gone from strength to strength over the last couple of seasons with uh, the Fremantle team. So it's just great to see her um, get rewarded for her hard work and um, obviously it's great that she's from Subi. So we, we thrive on these girls winning these awards and hopefully we can take out the big one this weekend. Uh, when wishing her good luck, no one wishes her to break a leg, do they? Because last time she did that a couple of years ago, uh, playing for the Eagles, kicked two goals in an exhibition game. Yeah, she's she's a tough girl. She obviously had that hit in the game against Carlton in the last game of the season last year for the AFL women. So we know she can take a hit and we know she'll keep on going until the very end. So we're very lucky to have her in our team. So what was the mindset of the side coming into this finals? You've just snuck in by a win with an 8-8 eight and eight record. First game up, your most fierce rivals of all, the reigning premiers, Swan Districts. What's the mindset as in you're playing elimination after elimination after elimination? Yeah, I think it was great not to have the uh, expectation that we usually have coming into a a finals campaign. Usually we're, you know, the top of the ladder or second of the ladder. So we've got that expectation that we should be good. But this year we've sort of come through and coasted through and um, we know that we've got the girls that are learning and getting better and and learning how to play the game plan that we want to play. So um, if we can continue to do that, which we have, and just bring it to another level against East Fremantle this weekend, um, I think we can do really well in the game. You won that game, of course, uh, 56-32. to 32. Uh, The usual suspects uh, kicking the goals. Yourself, obviously, bagging four, and names that we well and truly know, such as Lara Filicoma, uh, Lake and Stubbs. So well, those experienced hands are stepping up when it counted. Oh yeah, we try to. Um, obviously, those girls have been around for a long time and and know what it's like to be in a finals campaign. So it's good to get those other girls up and going. And and if we can do it as a team and play team footy, we're we're going to do well on the weekend. What was it like taking on uh, the Peel Thunderbirds last week? Because for most of the season, it was Peel and East Fremantle leading the pack, going head to head almost trying to decide who was going to be minor premiers. Peel just fell short, got knocked off in the uh, major semi, so had to face you in the preliminary final. Was it a daunting task coming up against a side that was actually in some pretty hot form? Yeah, we definitely were wary of, of the form that they'd have had of late, um, but obviously the fixturing is a little bit different over here, and um, 
you know, like the results didn't quite go our way with, with what we wanted. And we knew that we, if we played our best footy and played team footy and, and worked together and got the score on the board, that we'd be able to beat anyone. So um, I think getting off to a good good start in that first quarter allowed us to continue it on for the rest of the game. Out of that game, you also kicked another four goals. So you've had eight goals from the last two games. It doesn't give you pause for thought at any stage going, oh, did I retire maybe a bit too early from AFLW? Uh, am I feeling good enough to go around one more time? <laughs> you seem to be not the only one that's asking that the last couple of weeks. So I've had that, that question asked of me a lot. But um, to be honest, yeah, it, it's a bit of nostalgic um, going into the fi- like final series and knowing that I won't be playing for free out- Fremantle this season, but my body knows that it's not ready to go for another season. So I've got to keep that in mind that, you know, unfortunately my body's just not up to the task of another preseason and another season. So, um, yeah, but it's good to still be involved and still be down at Subi. So let's have a look at your opponents, East Fremantle, who have been the front runners for this season. Again, they've got a couple of uh, big names that you've got to cover. You've got the Belinda Smiths, you've got O'Sullivan, you've got the Caitlin Edwards. Uh, they've been there at AFLW level, um, Alyssa Caulfield as well. So they've got a good mixture of youngsters and good names amongst there. Who, who do you think that you've got to try and keep an eye on to make sure that uh, they don't get off to a good start like they did against the Peel Thunderbirds? Yeah, definitely. I think um, East Fremantle is a very good transition team. They're very good at spreading spreading the play and, and very fast with, um, obviously, Caitlin Edwards and um, Belinda Smith. They've got some wheels, so they're very hard to stop at times. But I think the important part is obviously playing that defensive and making sure we're accountable for our players. And um, got to look at Evie Gooch, obviously, off the half-back line as well. She's very good at um, spreading the ball and, and hitting that long target. So we've got to just make sure as a forward line as well that we stop them from that source and don't allow it to get down to the for- their forward line quickly. You're playing the game 2.30pm this Sunday at Claremont Oval. It's the first time I can recall in, uh, I don't know how many years, the grand final's actually been at Claremont Oval. Um, d- does it play any differently to any of the other grounds that you've played on that you've got to keep an eye out for? Any tricky pockets, etc.? Yeah, there's a couple of tricky pockets. Um, obviously, at Claremont Oval, they've got a huge new redevelopment there. So there's a lot of apartments being built around the outside of the oval and that creates shade, which uh, creates a little bit of areas of the boundary that are a bit slippery, a bit muddy. And um, Forecasts for this weekend is thunderstorms and rain, which is unfortunate. So we just sort of try and keep it out of those pockets and try and play the middle of the ground as much as we can. Has there been any talk of uh, any approaches differently coming to the grand final? We know some teams like to keep the same approach. Others like for to, for example, get together for a team breakfast before heading to the ground. Has that uh, discussion been talked about yet? Yeah, we don't really change things up too much. We try to keep it the same. We always have a uh, – we train Wednesdays and Fridays. We always have a team dinner um, for selections on Friday night where we have a big cooked meal and um, girls get around each other and have a good chat. And then – as normal on Sunday, everyone gets to the ground, do our warm-up, and um, we don't try to change too much because we want to keep it as normal as possible. And finally, one last one before we uh, let you go. We've obviously been talking about the WAWFL Grand Final. We should mention that, obviously, because you've retired from Fremantle's to concentrate a lot more on your job as well, being a uh, PE teacher full-time at an all-girls college, um, working that role, um, A, how many girls have you had approach you to say, oh, my God, you play AFLW, and B, in your time as a PE teacher, uh, how have you seen that interest grown in those girls wanting to take up Aussie rules? 
Yeah, um, obviously you have some every now and then, but the girls that I teach are massive fans and they love the fact that I played footy and, and they supported me throughout the whole time that I was playing. And um, I have seen massive growth in the amount of participation, especially at our school. We're trying to push for a, to have a after-school team. And um, I know the ICSA competition that we play in is trying to push for a team as well. So the more that we can grow it and the girls are just so excited about it. So it's great to be able to be a role model for them and, and get them to, you know, be physically active. Well, Amy, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best this Sunday when you take on East Fremantle in the WAWFL League Grand Final. And uh, all the best with uh, your post-AFLW career. Thank you very much. Also this weekend is the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Grand Final. Uh, the preliminary final was played obviously over the weekend where Salisbury 5-8-38 knocked off Morfordville Park 3-8-26, meaning the grand final matchup is Adelaide University versus Salisbury. It'll take place 2.15pm Aldi Arena on Sunday and no doubt that'll also be streamed by the uh, Facebook page of the Adelaide Footy League. So keep an eye out for that online. The Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Grand Final Sunday between Adelaide University and the Salisbury Magpies. There's also a grand final happening up north with the QWAFL Grand Final and to preview it, we've got on the line a premiership coach with Coolingatta Tweed in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Uh, fantastic. It's grand final weekend coming up, Peter, so uh, sad to see only one week left of footy for some. Um, some might be welcoming the break, but um, we've still got an awesome weekend coming up ahead of us, so let's enjoy it while it's here. Well, let's step back a few days to Saturday at Giffen Park, the place for the preliminary final, and in a bit of an arm wrestle, it was the Kings that came out on top. Cooper Roof, 9-5-59, defeating the UQ Red Lions, 6-7-43. Yeah, arm wrestle it surely was. Uh, yeah, both both sides fairly evenly matched. Um, throughout the game, but you'll notice there in the last quarter, not a single side was able to register a score, um, and no score was added to the tally um, after th- three third quarter time. So, uh, quite an interesting game. So fascinating that that's not too often you see something like that, especially in a final. But so, so both sides were so desperate. But um, I'd say UQ probably had a bit more of the territory battle in the second half, but just couldn't capitalise. Um, we know Cooper have had a miserly offence this year and they've been hard for any team to score against. Um, you know, so that UQ were always going to be up against it when they were chasing tail all game. But, um, yeah, Cooper held strong and, and, uh, weathered the onslaught, um, in that second half because UQ were coming. Um, hero of the day, uh, would have to be Tory Groves Little bagging four goals for herself. Uh, Jess Wushner with two. Um, always pretty handy up there in the forward line, we know. But um, Tori Groves, um, what a story for her. So um, coming up through the under-18s, lightning fast. I think we did a bit of a wrap on her a uh, month or so ago, um, similar to that of, of Kate McCarthy in speed, um, but has some extra attributes, great above head, um, took some fantastic grabs, played a long half forward there and obviously was extremely dangerous. Um, for them, and you'd think Wilson Grange might be paying a little bit of attention to to, to Tory this weekend, um, with her kicking four goals uh, against UQ, and probably proved to be one of the match winners um, for them on the weekend. Um, unfortunately, uh, UQ 
Sabrina probably best on the day. Only finished off with a one goal, um, though, and um, one of their big troubles for the year has been scoring. Um, and obviously not being able to score in that third quarter, just couldn't couldn't get the job done. Um, yeah, as we said, trailing all day. So uh, unlucky their, their season will finish. But Cooper now advance um, into the grand final um, to see if they can redeem themselves after last year. As we know, they made it in last year and, and went down in a, um, a thriller uh, to Yoronga. Um, so they are now going to give themselves a, a second crack at the silverware. It all happens this Sunday, August 26, 2.30pm at Leishon Park. Wilston Grange hosting Cooparoo. Interested to know your thoughts. You've got Wilston Grange have been red hot all year, but they come up against Cooparoo. As you mentioned, they were there last year and lost, but they've won a number of flags. They're experienced. They've been there. They know how to take the pressure on the big stage. Can the Gorillas, who are facing the heat for the first time, including having a week off as well, so they're having to twiddle their thumbs so the nerves start to build up, uh, can they survive against Cooparoo? Yeah, you're right. Um, they did have a bit of an era there where Cooparoo, I think they went three seasons and only lost one game in the season. Um, uh, until <laughs> until uh, we, Cooley, we knocked them off um, in round one in, in 2015, but yeah, they, they and they've still got a lot of those players, um, and they've been solid. It's great to have Sally Young um, back out on the field playing, and she's been around for quite some time, and she's she's such a great um, club person, but but also strong in there, and gives them a lot of um, a lot of inspiration in the middle, and and gets a hand on the footy a lot, and and feeds it out. So she's been an important inclusion uh, for them, um, and, and will will be important if they're to go. Um, all the way this weekend. Um, interestingly enough, these sides have met on three occasions this year. The last one, obviously, was in the major semi uh, where Wilson Grange got up by 10 points. Not a huge margin, but a quite a low-scoring game, 28 to 38. So that 10 probably um, is a little bit flattering there. Uh, 22 to 70 in the previous encounter and 40 to 61. So Wilson Grange obviously running out winners in all three of those games. You'd think if Cooper were to be a chance here, they've, it's going to have to be, um, yes, it's probably going to be a close one. You can't really see Cooper coming out and, and, uh, and, and blowing Wilson out of the water by 20, 30, 40 points here. You'd think it's going to be close. Um, but one thing Cooper have done, They've been a really hard side to score against this year. Mm. Um, they've themselves they've only scored more than seventy points on three occasions this season, uh, including finals games, um, which isn't massive. They've they've found it tough to get on the scoreboard themselves uh, a lot of times this season. But they've been a really hard side to score against um, on multiple occasions. Um, even Wilson Grange themselves only getting the, the seventy. Um, at most against them. So their defence is, is pretty solid um, and I think it's going to have to be come this weekend. Uh, but the area where they're going to need to capitalise to win is opportunities. Um, they've got a girl by the like, by the name of Jess Wooshnarp there. Um, I think she has to have an absolute phenomenal game if there to be any chance and make the most of every single opportunity that she gets. bit of magic from her wouldn't go astray if Cooper were to get on there. I think Tori's going to probably get a little bit more attention this week Maybe they might use her up the ground a little bit more, get some run. Um, they might have to. I think Wilson might put a bit more attention uh, into Tori after her fantastic game on the weekend and nabbing four goals um, in a nine-goal game. So I think I think they might use her up the ground, get her to get use her wheels, um, carry the footy, and and get some drives in forward. Because 
that's probably one area where they have struggled is is inside 50s um, and just generating those opportunities. So I think they're to win. They've got to make the most of theirs. Um, Wilson Grange, on the other hand, has scored more than 70 points on seven occasions. Scoring hasn't been one of their problems. At least generating shots has not been an issue for them. They nearly kicked themselves out of the game in this last encounter, and that was the 10-point win. They kicked four goals, 14 behinds. Um, not a great return uh, at all, Peter. So, yeah, I think that's probably one um, one thing that they've they've got to do is improve that conversion rate a, a little bit better on the last encounter um, and just limit Coop's chances. Um, but for for Coop's to win, I really think they've got to they've got to take the most of their chances. Josh Wilson has got to have that absolute standout game. That midfield's got to break even with the likes, you know, competing against the likes of. Um, Courtney Deniak, who I think has had a fantastic year in there. Um, Jamie Stanton, as we know, who's now down at North, um, uh, is is going to be in that midfield brigade as well. Uh, so I think I think um, they win that battle there naturally on paper. But I think if Cooper Roo can try and break even in there, um, limit the marks inside 50, I think they could be a chance. Uh, and as we said, I think Jess Wushner needs to have an absolute blinder. What do you reckon? Well, you were mentioning the name Jess Wuchner, so I'll get you just to throw up there a couple of names that you think could be in contention for the best and fairest for the grand final. Yeah, mate. Look, you'd think if Cooper were going to get up, I think Wuchner is going to is would would take the chocolates there. Um, you could probably throw a raffle uh, at Wilson Grange at the moment. I think um, you probably don't have to look too far past uh, Kate Lutkins, who was also the Brisbane Lions. Um, our best and fairest for this season. Um, she's ha- having a stellar year and just sometimes just does what she likes off halfback. Um, you did did that in in uh, AFLW and and it's no different in in Quaffle. She's been doing it all year. Um, can Cooper make her accountable? That could go a long way as well. But you'd think um, she could be be one of the ones that picks up that there. I actually really think Courtney Deniak's been underrated. Um, over the last 12 months, and she just get a ton of footy, and she's been really concentrating on I think how she uses the ball is definitely evident. Um, she doesn't like to to waste possession, and and um and and she could be a really important cog, and and could be my little maybe dark horse for uh, for picking up um the best and fairest for the grand final. And finally, your tip and the margin. And I think uh, this is going to be be a a tighter game. Uh, then we then we imagine um, then probably the first two encounters. I'm almost tipping a 12 point margin on this occasion, um, and I think uh, mainly because Wilson Grange will uh, have a few too many shots that don't go through the big sticks. Um, but I think Wilson Grange will will get up um, by two goals. Well, Aaron, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you next week when we talk about who won the grand final and how they did it. Pleasure as always. Thanks, Peter. Let's find out what's been happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, and joining us on the line is Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, really well, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Finally, the finals have arrived in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division because the final round has just concluded Round 17, it came down to some close games. Let's start, first of all, by looking back Saturday morning at Trumper Park, where the UTS Shamrocks 3-3-21 went down to Newtown in a close one, 3-7-25. Yeah, so really um, 
tight tussle, low-scoring game to start off the final round. Um, look, Shamrocks would be disappointed to to lose at home, and I mean, you're obviously disappointed to lose any game. Um, but I said, you know, there was never sort of more than a, a few points in it. And uh, look, in in the end, yeah, the the breakaways um, had the the four-point win. Um, look, there were three goal kickers for each team. For the Shamrocks, it was Faulkner, McCutcheon, and O'Loughlin. And uh, for the breakaways, it was Hocking, Holdsworth, and Calderwood. So some familiar names there across both teams. And uh, obviously for Newtown, they'd be happy to finish the season uh, on a positive note. So it came to this game where the Sydney Uni Bombers needed to win to be a chance of entering the top four. Sydney Uni, 4 6 30 Defeated by UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs, 4-9-33. Yeah, well, another low-scoring game, wasn't it, Peter? And, uh, look, I suppose in the end, Sydney Uni just left their run of form um, too late. Obviously, they had, you know, players that were missing because of, uh, you know, having a break from AFLW towards the start of the season and a few other injuries. And I think potentially maybe some players coming back from the uh, VFLW. But yeah, look, in the end, they, they left their run too late. Um, had they been able to snatch the win against the Bulldogs um, on the weekend, they would have ended up, uh, yeah, taking the fourth spot. But um, yeah, last not to be. So the first time in, in quite a while, Peter, and look, I, I admit I'm not sure exactly how many years, but first time, uh, yeah, in a long time that uh, Sydney Uni have uh, missed the finals of the top division of uh, women's AFL in Sydney. So they'd be very disappointed with that. Continuing our look at the rest of the round, uh, Macquarie University, while they sewed up top spot by defeating the Western Wolves quite comfortably, 12-7-79 to just the one behind. Yeah, look, probably not too much a surprise there. Um, yeah, Mac Uni obviously uh, having a, a big win there and, you know, they finished the, the home and away season having only dropped one game. Um, so, look, it's their best season uh, in, the, in the top division of, of women's footy for sure. Um, Laura Russell kicked seven um, of Mac Uni's uh, 12 goals and uh, actually uh, popped her to the top of the leaderboard for season's uh, goal-kicking tally. So a strong finish there for her. Um, but obviously they'd be they'd be looking for the uh, the premiership rather than focusing on the individual awards, but still a, a nice thing to have in your cabinet. And in the final game, it was really a dry run of third versus fourth um, with the Bombers' result, uh, meaning there was no effect on this outcome. Um, Auburn Parentless Giants, 8-4-52, defeating the Southern Power, 4-5-29. Yeah, look, I, I thought it may have been a, a little bit closer. I mean, it's not a, a massive margin like uh, like the game we just spoke about. But, yeah, look, thought it might be a couple of goals closer. Um, but look for the Giants, uh, they were consistent throughout. Got a bit of a break on the power in the second quarter and, uh, look, never, never really gave that up. Um, Jacqueline Gay was up strong for the Giants, kicking, uh, four goals and, uh, Melissa Bryden and, and your team, Kasem and East Hope all chipped in for a goal themselves and, uh, Power's four goals came from individual goal kickers. So look, a good spread of goal kickers for both teams. Um, but Power would really need to uh, step it up, um, you know, if they're a chance to beat them when they meet uh, in the first week of finals. Um, yeah, so look, it's Power would have liked to have uh, got the win to obviously, given that they're, they're going to play them, you know, two rounds in a row with finals. But, um, you know, they'll just be hoping to regroup and, uh, yeah, come back stronger in the semi.
Now, of course, the finals are actually an extra week away. There's a general competition by, similar to what will happen the next week in the VFLW. So just before I let you go, Lauren, I won't get any tips, but I'll just get your quick thoughts on the teams that have finished outside the top four in their season uh, ending. Uh, first of all, the UTS Shamrocks, uh, they ended up with the wooden spoon. Yeah, they did, and I think, um, look, some ways surprising, but I think the Shamrocks just couldn't string together a lot of consistency. Um, I mean, look, I think they had, was it three wins for the year? But I know two of them came against uh, Southern Power, um, and, and one of them was quite a, a big win. So, you know, they, they played quite well against a team that's, as I said, made finals, um, yet they've, they've lost some games that on paper you would have expected them to win. So not sure whether they sort of suffered with players being injured um, or, or on holidays as such, you're still getting community footy. Um, but, yeah, look, they'd, I think they'd be disappointed to finish with a wooden spoon because I think, you know, we saw when they played their best footy that they're a very competitive side. The Western Wolves end up finishing second last, seventh spot, four wins, 12 losses, one draw. Yeah, look, they'd be disappointed as well to finish low. Um, you know, it wasn't that many years ago that Wests were a consistent finals uh, finals force. Um, yeah, so look, disappointing for them. Uh, look, they they probably missed out on a, a couple of games where they were close and had chances to win. Um, but look, they're they're one of the sides that does have youth girls um, starting to come through in the next few years. So uh, I think that's a positive for them. And uh, yeah, we'll. we'll uh, hopefully for them they are uh, improved next year and uh, get a few more wins on the board. And the next two sides, if I'm correct, I think met in a grand final only a handful of years ago and they find themselves in sixth and fifth respect- respectively. The Newtown Breakaways finishing six, five wins, 12 losses. The Sydney Uni Bombers finishing in fifth spot with six wins and 11 losses. Yeah, so we obviously spoke a little bit about Sydney Uni before uh, just leaving their run a bit too late. But, yeah, you're right, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, these teams would have been one and two, and and I think both have won premierships within the last three or four years, maybe two or three, I can't remember quite off the top of my head. So um, they'd be both disappointed to be uh, missing out on finals, but I think it just shows um, how much more even and competitive um, women's AFL in Sydney has gotten to see, you know, two sides who are traditional powerhouses Um, just missing out on finals. So, uh, you know, from that point of view, um, I suppose competition, evenness and competitiveness, it's um, obviously a good thing, but disappointing individually for those sides. Well, Lauren, thanks again for joining us this week on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week when we preview the semi-finals of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter, and I'll uh, catch up with you then. Turning our attention to the Canberra First Grade Women's Competition, where the 15th and final round of the season was played on the weekend, and Ainsley 3-3-21 defeated Gungarland 2-2-14. Tuggeranong didn't score against Eastlake as they racked up 14-8-92, while Quimbian 6-8-44 defeated Balconnen 5-2-32. We head to finals action in the major semi-finals this Saturday at 4pm at Allen Ray Oval, where Balconnen host Eastlake, with the winner going straight through to the grand final, the loser to the preliminary final. While on Sunday, 4pm at Allensure Park, Quimbian host Ainsley, the winner going to the preliminary final, the loser being eliminated. Across to the Tasmanian State League women's competition, and the Tigers, one straight six, went down to Glenorchy 
13-14-92. Bernie, Clarence and Launceston all having the bye. Looking ahead to the final round, round 18 of the competition this Sunday. Both games being played at 12pm. You've got Windsor Park, Launceston versus Bernie. Then at KGV at 1.30pm, Glenorchy hosts Clarence, the Tigers with the bye. We'll return to our State Leagues wrap in just a moment, but now we're going to preview what's happening over in London. Yes, the AFL London Women's League has finished for the year. We covered the grand final the previous week, but now we've got an international fixture. Uh, this weekend, the GB Bulldogs are taking on the Netherlands in the men's, and as a curtain raiser, the women's team, the GB Swans, we're playing the London All-Stars. A great opportunity for the squad to have a bit of a hit out before they fire up for the a side European Championship next year, and then, of course, IC 2020. So this game is uh, an important first step uh, in forming the squad for the 2020 International Cup. And uh, joining us on the line is the coach of the GB Swans and Ian Mitchell. Ian, thanks very much for your time. I guess the first question we should ask for this game at Motspur Park as your Swans take on the London All-Stars is uh, how much of the original squad from IC 2017 uh, will be participating in this match? Yeah, by my count, we'll have no more than 10 girls who were in Melbourne this time last year. So been a huge, huge turnover of the squad for kind of various reasons, really. Some of the girls have have either gone back or stayed out uh, in Australia to, to play some more football and take their lives in a, a different direction personally. Uh, look, some girls who are on an injury list who, who won't be with us. And then we've obviously had a quite a big push uh, back here in the UK in terms of finding more girls and trying to bring new girls into the squad, freshen things up and try and widen our player base really. And what's the level been like of the girls coming through compared to those that obviously uh, were part of the GB Swans squad for a good one or two years before they headed to Melbourne? Yeah, it's it's, it's really um, it's been really interesting actually to to work with all these new girls in terms of their their raw physical talent. I think they're certainly on a par. And um, what we've been trying to work really hard on, um, kind of online as as a community, as a group. And also when we've been able to see each other maybe once every couple of months is that game experience, that game knowledge. And obviously with me being um, a new head coach, we're trying to uh, build a, a new team identity, a new team ethos. So it's kind of getting all the girls on board with that. So in some respects, the new girls are starting a little bit behind in terms of game experience. But in another way, with, with me taking on the role, all the girls are kind of in the same boat in that we're, we're moving in a slightly different direction. Um, so they're all on a level playing field in that respect. It's been really interesting uh, 12 months, really, since we came back from Australia. And uh, in that time as well, obviously, we've seen women's footy really start to take off at university level. Uh, West Lothian joining up with the Scottish League up there. They've been trying to get something going in uh, Cardiff around Wales as, as well. Um, where have uh, essentially these new players been coming from to uh, enter the GB Swans side? A lot, all those, I mean, it's fantastic. You're obviously very well researched and very knowledgeable on the game around the world. And, and the, all those areas have been real hotspots for us. So we, we held a training session over, down in Cardiff. And a lot of the girls who are based in Cardiff and they're around, um, around there were, were in attendance. And they're looking really positive, some really good athletic girls, some variety of different sporting backgrounds. We've been really successful um, with the University of Birmingham. They've had a full nine-a-side squad there all year. And luckily for me, I live quite close to them. So I've been helping them out um, a little bit in, during their season over the winter months. And that's been really beneficial for us as well. I know some of their girls have been selected for the England uh, Vixens this upcoming October. And we'll be obviously looking to blood some of those this Saturday as well. 
Um, and then, yeah, up in West Lothian, there's a guy up there, Mikey Allen, who's working really, really hard with the West Lothian Football Club um, and bringing on male and female players. Uh, that I've, I've actually just got the email to him uh, trying to dig out a few contacts with some of his ladies he's got up there. So with this uh, side that you're taking on the London All-Stars, which obviously uh, come and seeing players that do play in the uh, AFL London Women's League, uh, obviously a mix of Aussies in there as well, which will hopefully give you a good solid challenge. How do you rate the quality of the opposition that you are taking on this weekend? Yeah, we're really excited to play the, the AFL London All-Stars. They've always been really supportive us, uh, of us as a, as, a, as a group, as an organisation, uh, in terms of allowing us to play the pre-season London Carnival that I mentioned earlier. Um, so it's going to be really good to take some of the best players out of all those London clubs and, and put them together. So obviously, um, in terms of them all playing together, it's going to be something quite new for a lot of them. They won't have all that experience. But their, their overall uh, footy experience, footy knowledge, will obviously probably be a little bit above our girls. So I think it'll be a really good challenge to, um, to give us a future direction, really, for the next 12 months leading up to the European Championships. One thing that also does come to mind is um, at this moment they've just closed the applications for the Crosscoders program. Uh, for those that do wander down to Mottsburg Park, uh, how many players that will be playing might have thrown their hand up as an application to hopefully be a rookie with the Western Bulldogs should they make it through that program successfully? I'm hoping quite a few of the girls will have either put their hand up for it this year or identified it as something they maybe might do in a couple of years when they finish university. Um, I think for some of them, it'd probably be quite a big gamble to put their hand up for that now and commit to it in terms of in the middle of their studies. But, you know, when they finish university, they're only going to be 21, 22. So I think that's going to give them maybe really something really good to focus on and aim for um, in the next couple of years, certainly. So uh, in terms of this year's cohort of cross-coders, I'm not sure there's all that many from the Swans. But um, I think in future years, I'm hopeful we can certainly push a few of our girls that direction. We talked about, obviously, um, only 10 players remaining from the international 2017 squad. How about the coaching staff? Has there been much of a turnover? Obviously, with the absence of Lauren Spark, who's obviously back here in Melbourne. Yeah, so Lauren remains um, back in Melbourne after the IC. She's a huge loss to us in terms of her personality, um, you know, how she gets on with a lot of the girls, and obviously her vast knowledge and experience of the game. But we've been able to bring in a, a woman called Karina Russo from the Wimbledon Hawks. So who knows, Lauren, um, she's been on board for some of our training sessions, which has been really beneficial. Um, obviously, I was assistant coach last time around. So with Garth stepping to one side to focus on his young family, um, it's been, yeah, it's quite a quite a high turnover. Um, but, you know, I'm really grateful for the work Garth and Lauren and, and everyone else put in before I took over as head coach because I've inherited a really talented, enthusiastic bunch. So really, really pleased. And uh, what is the number of players that will be playing in the game for the GB Swans? You're looking something like 18 aside with six on the bench. How will that work? Yeah, well, we're gonna we're actually hosting a bit of a, a training. A whole we use it as a whole day, so we're meeting up a few hours before the game, and we're going to run through a few of the things that we want the girls to be doing. A few walkthroughs of a few structures and things. I'm hoping we're going to have up to 35, 40 girls there. So, um, yeah, in terms of the game, it'll be kind of a management of, of the players and probably use six on a bench for each quarter, but it might not, not necessarily be the same 24 girls throughout the whole game. Looking to obviously just see different girls in different positions um, and really, as I said earlier, really blood some of the newer girls um, in and around the more experienced girls, providing a bit of structure for them and a bit of direction. And how important is it still to have, I guess, the experience and the captaincy there of uh, Laura Turner-Ramadan? 
Oh, it's vital. It's absolutely vital. You know, I'm on the phone to her every week. We're really, really close dialogue in terms of developing the game as a whole for women in the country, but also this squad of girls that we're obviously shaping for over the next 24 months leading to the IC in 2020. Um, her, her experience, her commitment, her enthusiasm is just vital and, and infectious on the rest of the girls. So to have her and some of the other girls, so Rania, um, the Salter sisters still on the scene is, is going to be really, really important for us because they're fantastic role models for a lot of these young 18, 19, 20-year-old girls who are learning the game and, and seeing what it can offer for them. That's the big question as well, because jumping on a plane as we speak is Alex Salter, who's making her way from Melbourne back to London. She did express an interest a few weeks ago in playing in this game on August 25th. Uh, is she fit and clear to play on Saturday? She will be certainly there, and she's going to join in with the training, and it'll be very much an on-the-day decision for Alex, really. She's worked so hard to, to kind of rehabilitate that shoulder. So for me, it'd be a real shame for her to push it too far um, right at the end of this season, going into the off-season. So we're really honestly going to assess that on Saturday morning, to be honest. As we said, this is obviously a good chance to have a look at a, a bunch of new players for the GB Swans. But what is the road after here for the Swans? We know, obviously, for nine aside, there's Euro Cup coming up in uh, Cork. But what does the uh, path look like before you build to the European Championship uh, in 2019 and then beyond that, 2020 and the IC back in Melbourne? Yeah, that Euro Cup for, for us this October is going to be really, really crucial. I know Scotland have got some new girls attending with them. The Welsh are looking to enter a side again for the second year in a row. And obviously England are defending their title. So, you know, we, we, we're going to be having certainly even there, that's what is that, nearly 45 girls if each group take a full squad uh, who would be eligible for the Swans. So that tournament is really important for us to see how some of the newer girls um, pull up at that, that higher level, you know, that higher intensity, that, the higher standard of competing for your country. And then moving on to that, we're going to be doing a few sessions over the off-season, um, setting some key fitness targets to the girls, some baselines. And then hopefully April will come around, we'll be in the pre-season London Carnival again. Uh, and then we'll look to meet up over the course of the season before we build up to the European Championships in, in October, which obviously we'll be defending on our, on our home patch again. Um, obviously, we expect a very, very tough contest off the the uh, IC17 champions, the Irish, and we'll, we'll see who else makes the trip over for that tournament. And then, as you mentioned, it's you know it's only two years till the next International Cup. So we're really looking to hone in on some key performance indicators for the squad before we pick our final, go our final group of girls. Well, Ian, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish your side all the very best in your hit out against the London All-Stars this Saturday at Motspur Park in London. Thanks, Peter. Really appreciate your, uh, the coverage of the game over here. It's really, really vital for us. Time to review what happened over the weekend in the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. And joining us on the line, our lead caller here at RSN Carnival, in Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Very well, Pete. Uh, another big round of Swiss Wellness VFL Women's action on the weekend. The cement is drying on the top four after the, the four sides that will be taking Part in the finals were locked in on the weekend. It's only their positions that could change uh, in this coming round. So we wait with bated breath of who finishes first and second to get the double chance and who finishes third and fourth to uh, see who drops out. But uh, beyond those four sides, it's one week left for everyone else. 
So, yes, let's have a look at those games. The first three really had no effect in the end on the top four, but the bottom three games did. We start, first of all, out at Mowie, of all places, on Saturday afternoon, where Collingwood dominated the Southern Saints, 6-6-42 to just the four behinds. Yeah, a disappointing performance, this, for the Southern Saints, who have been relatively competitive in the last month or so of football, only managing the the four behind, as you said, uh, two of those coming in the second term. Uh, the first uh, term, they only scored one behind, and the final term, one behind as well. So very disappointing from the Southern Saints. Collingwood, on the other hand, were uh, very impressive, at least uh, on the scoreboard, considering they were coming off the loss against the Northern Territory Thunder the week before. Bateman uh, continues her outstanding form and certainly pushing her name uh, up in lights, uh, kicking three goals on the weekend. Livingston also prominent, kicking two goals. And Hines, who returned to the side on the weekend, also contributed to the scoreboard. And uh, as we alluded to, no goal kickers this round for the Southern Saints. Leading disposal getters on the ground, and she racked up 27 touches on the weekend. For the Southern Saints, it was Brown that racked up 24 touches on the weekend and laid five tackles. But uh, beyond that, uh, a real disappointing performance for the Southern Saints, who uh, look to be finishing the season off strongly. But uh, this performance is hopefully just a blip on the radar heading into the final round for Collingwood. Uh, The reality check of the loss to the Northern Territory Thunder seems to have done them good. The Western Bulldogs' roller coaster season continues. A big dip at the start, then that big rise with six in a row, and now they've lost three in a row in a dramatic plunge. 2 2 14, getting smashed by Melbourne Uni, 7 5 47. Yeah, it's hard to believe that three weeks ago the Western Bulldogs side were in contention for the top four. And as you said, they've been wiped off the park convincingly over the last couple of weeks. We know that their side that's been selected isn't as strong as what it was during that mid part of the season where they won six games on the trot. On the weekend, they uh, again struggled to score during the third quarter, and they were able to pile on one goal, two in the final term. Melbourne University, uh, their back half of the season has been very impressive, uh, which Scott Gowans alluded to a few weeks ago in our match day coverage, saying in the final few rounds of the season, that seems to have occurred uh, with some prominent names up uh, on the goal-kicking list as well. Atmore contributing with two goals. Aaron's uh, also kicking a goal. Anderson, Angelus, Presparkus and Limbrick with... Yeah, it was McLeod and Hannah Scott contributing to the scoreboard. Leading disposal getters on the ground on the weekend. No surprises who's up the top of the list for both sides, really. Uh, Ash Riddle racked up 26 touches on the weekend, took three marks and laid six tackles. Lead dominant season and would be uh, my pick for the BNF at uh, the Muggers, considering her form and the fact that she's been in most weeks as well, hasn't missed too many games. Uh, Madison Prasparkas, uh, a highly fancy draft pick, continues her good form as well, also taking a mark and laying two tackles. Sarah Rajoli, she's been impressive for the Western Bulldogs, one of their better players throughout the VFLW season. She racked up 19 touches on the weekend, and Ashley Guest, who has been a solid performer during her time at the Dogs and also previously with the Spurs, racked up 18 for them on the weekend. 
Essendon's season of woe continues. One three nine going down to Wimstown five seven thirty seven in the game where they trialled some possible rules for AFLW in twenty nineteen. So yeah, and haven't heard uh, a hell of a lot about the results that came out of the trial. Whether it worked, whether it didn't, I know the weather conditions wouldn't have helped uh, the circumstance on the weekend either. So whether that's played a, a part in not much coverage regarding the trial, but um, the actual result of the game wasn't too surprising in the end. Williamstown, I thought, had a stronger selected side than what Essendon had. Essendon didn't kick a goal in the opening half of football. Their only goal came during the third quarter, and they didn't score in the final quarter either. So it's uh, their forward line, again, seems to be an issue, whether they're actually transitioning it uh, through the midfield uh, efficiently and effectively also remains a bit of a question for the Bombers. So there'll be some uh, development on that during the off-season, no doubt, and also try and work out what they can do with that forward line because it's not really goal kicker on the weekend. Whilst for Williamstown, it was Jazz Garner again, impressive up forward, kicking two goals for them. Williamson, Vanden Heuvel and Paterno were the other goal kickers for them on the weekend. Leading possession getter on the ground. <laughs> Again, no surprises with uh, the first three names all coming from the Seagulls. Jess Duffin racked up 28 touches again late. Uh, 11 tackles, uh, an outstanding effort. Also took four marks. Jazz Garner was impressive. A uh, lot to get excited about if you're a North Melbourne fan with her coming into the system at the conclusion of the VFW season. He racked up 24 touches on the weekend took seven marks and laid five tackles. Jenna Bruton uh, also fairly handy in racking up touches, 11 kicks, 11 handles, two marks and five tackles on the weekend. The leading disposal getter on the ground for the Bombers was Maddie Collier, who racked up 20 touches on the weekend for the Bombers and laid six tackles. To Darwin, where the NT Thunder 4-4-28 were defeated by Hawthorne 8-5-53. Yeah, in the end, it was a bit of a sting for the Northern Territory Thunder. I wonder whether that's their reality check coming into the final few rounds of, or the final round of the home and away season. Uh, after an impressive performance at Victoria Park, uh, they've headed up to TIO Stadium in a game where they and it would have been, well, I certainly expected it to be a, uh, a margin within two goals, but Hawthorne, they're, uh, they've taken it up a notch since that loss to Darabin a couple of weeks ago. Another very impressive performance. And have a listen to the names that were featured on the goal-kicking list on the weekend. Williams, three goals. Mackie, two goals. Perkins, two goals. And Claire O'Donnell also hitting the scoreboard for Hawthorne. So they're prominent names up forward are providing targets, providing options and importantly, kicking goals. It's nice to see their score sheet this week. As inaccuracy has cost them uh, a little bit more percentage in recent weeks. For the Northern Territory Thunder, a little disappointing. Didn't kick a goal in the opening term. Kicked one goal, two in the second, and then managed to... That could have been Hickey, Foley, Nalda and Hewitt were the goal kickers for them on the weekend in what was their final game, considering uh, they've got the bye uh, before finals. So uh, they've got two weeks off now. The Northern Territory Thunder 
to shake off that loss and, and wait and see who they play in the opening week, given that uh, they may not feature in the top two. Uh, and in fact, I think they're now locked into third spot off the top of my head. Uh, the Thunder uh, currently sits second, but the Hawks could jump them into second spot if they beat Geelong on the weekend. I was going to say, I had a, had a feeling that uh, they might be defaulting down to third given the results uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, the disposal getters on the ground, Rebecca Beeson, she's been outstanding in recent weeks for the Hawks. 30 touches on the weekend and eight marks and three tackles. An incredibly impressive performance. Uh, was the leading disposal getter on the ground by a fair way, Marinoff the next best for the Northern Territory Thunder, racking up 24 touches of that 20 kicks and four handballs. That's nice to see as a traditionalist of football. Uh, Mark, she took six and also laid six tackles. Uh, Ebony Marinoff can use her impressive form despite the loss for the Thunder on the weekend. And just having a look at that ladder and just reconfirming the fact that actually the winner of that game between Hawthorne and Geelong will actually go to second and get the double chance. Um, if there's a draw, then Hawthorne will still jump the Thunder because they're currently tied with them with only the Thunder ahead on percentage. So as it sits, the Thunder will go down to third. They will go down to an elimination final. It's just a case of who will Collingwood play in the major semi-final for a chance to go to the grand final, either Hawthorne or Geelong, the winner of that game, on the weekend. So that yeah, makes that match incredibly important at Box Hill City Over, which we'll preview shortly. But, yeah, the Thunder, who uh, were up the, the pointy end of the ladder for much of the season, will be disappointed don't get that second chance in 2018. Absolutely. Let's have a look at the games on Sunday. And it was an interesting situation. We were out of Casey Fields to call the Casey v Geelong game. And we were thinking at that stage, right, Darabin need the upset to stay alive for the finals. As everyone was expecting Darabin to beat Carlton, Casey were up at, uh, at quarter time in their game, which we'll come back to in a moment. But then all eyes went to Bill Laurie Oval and saw the shock happening right in front of us. Carlton, 4-10-34 and a boil over over Darabin, one three nine. Yeah, incredibly unexpected. Uh, they made it incredibly fickle uh, for these two sides. All up, 13 behinds were kicked and just five goals. And only one goal in the opening half of footy that went the way of Darabin. Uh, it was, in fact, it was all tied at, uh, at halftime, 1-2-8 to eight behinds the Blues and then Carlton uh, managed to get a bit more accurate in front of goal. Darabin failed to kick a goal after the major break and ends a, a pretty extraordinary run in finals footy for them given that uh, I think they've featured in every grand finals for the last 15 years. Pete, relying on your brain. Since 2005 yeah. if I'm correct. So that's it's an extraordinary run, not just in women's football, but uh, across all football competitions. But uh, an era has come to an end, sadly. There's been a lot of change at the Darabin Falcons. We've detailed that. They had given themselves the, the best shot at trying to make finals, bar that performance on the weekend against Carlton. And uh, isn't it ironic that one of the goal kickers uh, during one of the pivotal points in the second half was Darcy Vessio, the former Falcon, uh, just putting a dent in the side of uh, the Falcons on the way through. Uh, would have been an interesting feel in the rooms after the game. 
but Carlton, it's uh, been just one of those years where they've been up and down. It's a side that I think has relied a little too much on their AFLW talent to get them over the line on most occasions. And when that was missing, they uh, copped a couple of hidings along the way. So it's a, a difficult season to read for them heading into the AFLW season in 2019. They uh, have found a couple of players, uh, whether they, it's the list remains to be seen, but uh yeah, for, for Darabin, unfortunately, their final game will be this weekend and it will be a uh, an interesting sight not having the Falcons in a uh, Victorian women's footy final seat, seat, uh, series uh, at the top level of footy. Their goal kicker on the weekend was Steph Simpson and for the Blues, Georgia G, Darcy Vessio, Schultz and Moody were the goal kickers. And having a look at the final game of the round, which was our RSN Carnival match of the day, it was an interesting scenario. As we said, we thought Darabin were going to be alive for the finals. We thought they were going to beat Carlton, and then they had the big one against the Bulldogs the next week. And we thought, well, the Cats need to lose two games, possibly against the Hawks. And we thought, maybe not against the Casey Demons. And we had a stage at quarter time when Casey were in front, and we thought, oh, my goodness, are Geelong going to bundle it? But in the end, they ran out Victor's 8-5-53 to 2 4 yeah, it was uh, an interesting, well, even up until halftime, I think Casey was still in the game considering the window is certainly favouring one end of Casey Fields and you thought they had a glimmer of hope at the start of the third term, but uh, the Cats put the the pedal to the metal and uh, they, they ran away with the game in the end. Uh, an impressive opening term but uh, from the Demons, but uh, the, the Geelong Cats, their, their intensity and pressure around ball carrier uh, was sensational after quarter time. And uh, I, it's uh, clear to see that they've uh, been that for the last couple of weeks, considering they're getting decent margins and decent results. Mia Ray Clifford, impressive up forward, once again kicking two goals, was spotted in defensive 50 at stages as well for the Cats, just testing her. Versatility, uh, or Klingbell, Martin, Ivy, Stephen, and Dub amongst the goal kickers. A big goal kicking list on the win for them. Shevlin was impressive for the Casey Demons kicking a goal. Madison Gay also kicking a goal. Uh, for the Demons, uh, slightly disappointing that they only kicked the behind in the second half. Their two goals came in the opening term, uh, so beyond that, weren't really able to impact the scoreboard. The Cats. Much like Hawthorne have found uh, or got their radar working in front of goal and uh, were, were impressive, kicking eight five on the weekend. Leading the target on the ground was Shelley Scott for the KC Demons, racking up 18 touches on the weekend, playing tape and tackles as well. As I said, Chevron was impressive. She racked up 16 touches in addition to her goal. William was actually the leading possession getter on the weekend for the Cats with 16 closely followed by uh, Kerrick who racked up 15 touches on the weekend and laid five tackles in a very wild weather day out at Casey Fields. We had a bit of everything. There was sun, there was uh, sideways rain at one point and then a howling gale all day as well. So interesting weather conditions out at Casey Fields. The Cato dominant, very impressive. And, of course, uh, with that, uh, we had Richmond having the bye. So we head into the final round. 
So let's begin by going out to Skybus Stadium, Saturday 25th of August at 11am. This is in Frankston, of course. The Southern Saints versus Richmond. Yeah, an interesting game, this one. Both of these sides, or the Tigers in particular, have had a fairly disappointing season. Their last, uh, sorry, disappointing back end of the season. Their their opening month and a bit of footy was uh, was fairly good and had them in finals contention at one point, but uh, they've really faded out, had an impressive performance against Williamstown the last time out. Southern Saints, their last time out wasn't that impressive, so I expect them to come out with a fire in their final game of the home and away season. Home know how to play Skybus Stadium very well. I'll be tipping the Southern Saints in this clash. Hawthorne versus Geelong, Boxall City Oval, Saturday, 11.30am. The winner gets the double chance. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big game, an important game, incredibly strong in the AFL men's competition. Uh, in the VFLW, it's been gradually building as these two sides have got stronger, both now set to appear in their first finals campaign in the VFLW. I'm going to go with Geelong to cause just a little bit of an upset. And the reason that I say that was because Paddy Hill alluded a couple of weeks ago that if they had got themselves into a favourable final position earlier, they would have been missing a couple of players, given that they had a fairly full-strength sign on the Northern Territory, would have been incredibly warm, and given that it's looking as if at this stage the forecast is for a fairly warm Saturday as well in Melbourne, uh, I wonder whether he might just park a couple just to, to give them a couple of weeks off prior to the finals commencing, and I think Geelong will be looking just to continue the role with the momentum that they've been building over the last couple of uh, weeks. Uh, so I'm expecting the Cats to cause a little bit of an upset at Box Hill City Oval. Casey Demons versus Collingwood at Casey Field, Saturday, 11.30am. See Collingwood losing this one. I think Casey are capable of, of pushing them. It just depends on uh, how consistent they are across the four quarters as we saw on the weekend they fired out of, of the blocks early but faded away in the remaining three quarters um, if they do that again I think Collingwood would, will have a very healthy victory on the weekend I don't see the Pies dropping another one as they enter the finals uh, series for 2018 I think they have their reality check against the Thunder and it's now about fine-tuning heading towards September a month ago, this game we would have been talking about as if you win, you get into the finals. Instead, both sides uh, disappointingly falling short of the top four. At Bill Laurie Oval, Saturday, 12pm, Darabin versus the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, as you said, these two sides were expected in the final round with the glimmer of hope that sadly both are now of top four contention. And just given the last couple of weeks for the Western Bulldogs, I don't think it's going to get any easier for them. I think Garabin will be looking to go out on a high after what's been a, a fairly challenging season for them. They've had to blood a lot of new players in that side. Uh, so I expect them to come out with a bit of a bang. Uh, I wonder too, I know this time last year we were speculating about the sides that were going to be involved in the VFLW in 2018. Uh, Diamond Creek and Killer Sharks, Eastern Devils Extra. Wonder whether there's a little bit of a question mark hovering over Darren and whether we 
we'll see them. I hope that we do because they are an incredibly bad club and uh, a club has pushed the barriers, uh, well, made the grand final for the last 15 years. So you can't lose that little bit of history. So it's, I hope it's not the last time we see them run out onto the park, at least at this level uh, on the weekend, but I'd be expecting them to win either way. Certainly agree, and I would suggest for fans of the Darabin Falcons or those interested in the Darabin Falcons to uh, head down to Bill Laurie Oval and watch them because, as we said, it could be their last game. I believe their intentions are to run around again in 2019. But, again, as you said last year, there were a number of clubs who had an intention to run around this year and uh, they were told thanks but no thanks. So uh, who knows if it's the last hurrah for the Darabin Falcons. Hopefully it's not, but best to get along to Bill Laurie Oval just in case to uh, capture those memories. Uh, Windy Hill, Saturday, 3pm, Essendon versus Carlton. Essendon started their season with uh, an old rival in Hawthorne. They finish it with another old rival in Carlton on the weekend. Uh, unfortunately, I don't see them getting another win for 2018, though. I think Carlton, they uh, are playing a little bit more of their AFLW talent in recent weeks, which is getting them over the line, expecting them to win this one. Darcy Vessio is still in contention for the leading goal kicker award as well. I think she trails Hannah Mounty by one coming into this game. And uh, Mounty, I don't think, last weekend for the Darabin Falcons. So uh, that'll be just a, an interesting side note as we head into the final round of the home and away season. Uh, I'd expect her to, to kick a couple of goals at Windy Hill on the weekend and for the Blues to beat the Bombers, even though uh, the heart is thumping and telling me to go with the Bombers. It's incredibly hard to tip against them. And the standalone game on Sunday, which will be our RSN Carnival Match of the Day on air at 2 o'clock for a 2.30pm bounce at Tin Alley. It's Melbourne Uni versus Williamstown. A game that's to feature a number of uh, North Melbourne AFLW talents. This is going to be an interesting one. The Muggers have been building, uh, as I said earlier, over the last couple of weeks. I'm expecting them to, to win this game. Tim Alley, is it the last time we travel there? Is it the last time that the Muggers' name is used, given that North Melbourne's AFLW program starts up next year? Um, so there's a couple of question marks there. Williamstown, uh, I hope they're as competitive as what they have been in recent weeks. Um, and hope that they can just give the Muggers a little bit of a challenge, uh, but I think they should win this fairly comfortably at Melbourne University on their home deck. And just a quick congratulations as well to Melbourne University on winning the VAFA Premier Division uh, Premiership that was with their seconds. And Lucy Watkin, our very own Lucy Watkin, uh, playing in that uh, Premiership. Congratulations to them. NT Thunder having the bye and the goal-kicking ladder looks like this heading into the final round. Hannah Mouncey of Darabin leading with 18 goals, but will she play in the final round? That's a question. Darcy Vessio sitting on 17 goals. If she plays against Essendon, she's a chance to jump ahead. Jessica Sedenry on 15 goals. She's sitting in third position, cannot progress any further because the NT Thunder having the bye. Tara Bahana, she's three behind Mouncey. She's sitting on 15 goals. They play against Richmond. Could she get the three goals to try and at least tie for the lead? And then in fifth spot is Jordan Hickey, who's on 14 goals. She's in the Northern Territory. Thunder will not play in the final round. So it's virtually down to three with Hannah Mouncey leading the charge. Coxie, thanks very much for joining us here on RSN Carnival Digital Radio for Women's Australian Girls Football. And we look forward to your company on Sunday for the match between Melbourne Uni and Williamstown. 
Yeah, hard to believe that we're at the final round of the home and away season, but uh, looking forward to it. And just a quick footnote as well, since our interview with uh, Coxie, which was pre-recorded, we have now confirmed we're going to do two games this weekend. Saturday, 2pm to 5pm, we'll cover Essendon versus Carlton at Windy Hill. And then on Sunday from 2pm to 5pm, we'll bring you Melbourne University versus Weemstown as part of the final round of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. I'm Peter Holden. Just about time for me to get on out of here. A friendly reminder, this program is available as a podcast on Thursday evenings by going to SoundCloud, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football. Or you can hear it first up as a radio program Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival Digital Radio Melbourne by the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. Until next time, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company and bye for now.